Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 292 of the podcast. It's the 25th of August, 2021, as I record this intro. And Anna Brown joins me this week to talk about our monthly theme in the Living Joyfully Network, Embracing Cocoons and Bubbles. It is part of the human experience to have periods of introspection, of pulling inward, processing, and integrating. Our children may lose interest in their usual activities while not yet knowing what's next for them, or they may choose to stay home more, spending time in a comforting nest. We look at some common seasons in which our children may choose to cocoon and ways to approach those times with curiosity, connection, and joy. We also dive into the idea of our unschooling bubble and ways to build that protective, confident mindset that helps each of us engage with the world as our authentic selves. In the Living Joyfully Network, our shared goals are to embrace lifelong learning, develop strong and connected relationships with our kids, and cultivate a thriving unschooling lifestyle in our families. In the network, we don't tell you how you, quote, should unschool. We share experience, not advice. Our collaborative approach grows from our understanding that there is no one right answer that applies to all families, especially when it comes to learning and parenting. Instead, we share our diverse experiences and insights as more information to help you explore and discover what works for you and your family. Kayla recently joined our community and she wrote, I'm absolutely geeking out over the wealth of resources, conversations, questions, and on and on the network provides. So grateful to you guys' immense efforts towards personal and familial support. Thanks, Kayla. When you join, you get immediate access to the amazing and ever-growing index of content around our previous monthly themes, including nurturing our children's learning, validation, consent, play, self-care, our parenting toolbox, and lots more. You also get access to our growing resource library, a collection of online resources, books, podcast episodes, and more about various topics of interest as they relate to unschooling, including exploring neurodiversity, about sleep, playing with sensory activities, what about math, and technology. Not to mention the connection and inspiration that comes with surrounding yourself with other parents who are embracing their unschooling journey. If you're curious to learn more about the network, check out the link in the show notes or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. 
Hey, Pam. <laughs> so this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme has been embracing cocoons and bubbles. Now, cocoons and bubbles are metaphors for different kind of aspects or windows on unschooling, and they're pretty uh, for pretty common experiences. And we wanted to talk about them because this imagery can often be helpful as we navigate these sometimes challenging seasons. So I'm really looking forward to talking about this. So we're going to dive right in. So let's start with cocoons. A cocoon... Um, for me, anyway, it's a season in which a child is choosing to pull inward. So they aren't so much interested in being out and about in the world. And there's often a subtle energy shift that comes with it, maybe some more introspection, maybe some more comfort activities. And sometimes it takes a little bit before we recognize what's up, right? Because it's not something that's usually announced up front, <laughs> but it's something that unfolds as they're making their choices in their days. And they just seem to be choosing quieter activities. So we're starting to notice it. They're kind of starting to notice it. Now, there are also shorter times of cocooning. So maybe it's been a super busy few weeks or even a few months. And the cocooning is more about decompressing and processing from that busyness. But there are also bigger seasons of cocooning. And these can throw people off because it may seem like a big change, right? All of a sudden, like over, over a few days or a week or two, they're choosing to do, or at least they aren't choosing to do their typical things, right? The activities that they normally enjoyed and the things that they did. And, and then we, when we notice it, we kind of start to worry that maybe something's wrong. The important thing is, though, even if we can't see it, there's just so much going on internally as they're processing, integrating, exploring who they want to be moving forward. It's like they're cocooning just to try and figure out and get a sense of hmm, something's feeling different for me now. And I need to kind of explore what that is, right? I mean, I think it's so true that it can take some time before we notice it. You know, it, there'll be little hints here or there and it, it takes a little bit. And so that's why I think it's really helpful to have this imagery in mind. So when you stumble across some of these signs, it doesn't feel so confusing because I think it can be, especially confusing if it's a dramatic change. So you may have this very outgoing child that's chatty and loves to go and do and whatever. And suddenly they'll be, and maybe not even suddenly, maybe subtly, they'll be turning down opportunities and maybe want to leave a little bit earlier or not go at all, or they stop initiating going out or being involved in things they previously enjoyed. I think that can be really hard for people. They stop karate, they stop the piano lessons, they, whatever the things that, you know, might've been bringing them joy, suddenly they're wanting to pull back. And it can make us jump to this place of fear. So I'm really glad that we handled fear last month. <laughs> because now we know we can breathe, we can observe, remain open and curious and connected. We have those tools, you know, so that we don't have to spiral into that place of fear. Because what I've seen over and over again, that there's so much going on during this time, you know, they're taking all of that input from those living outwardly times and all the things that they were doing. And they're trying to make sense of it. Like you were saying, integrating it into who they are, who they want to be moving forward. And there's so much going on internally. And what we can do is stay connected 
not push them into activities, but listen and support where they are right then. Let them know that we see the value in it. I think that's really the next step, you know, is not even just, you know, sometimes we have to wrap our head around it, but then it's letting them know we see the value in it because that really helps them to settle into the important work that they're doing and to not get derailed by our judgment or us pushing an agenda for them. And one of the things that I think can help with that is seeing how we at times can cocoon. I found it really interesting on the network um, when the network members were sharing how their own cocooning experiences and those journeys and what that looked like for them. And I think when we recognize this as a human experience, which is what it is, it helps us to respect and give space for our children during these times for them. Yeah, that's such a great point. It really is a human um, part part of the experience, right, of being human. And what one thing I love to to think about or to think about it as is giving them that space and support um, to listen to their inner voice and our judgment not being part of it is so important to that, right? Like they're they're just they're feeling. Um, just, you know, a little awful, uncomfortable for them. It can definitely be like, what the heck's going on here? Why am I not enjoying these things, etc. And for us to be able to support them and to say, yes, you know, it's, it's okay. I understand. Maybe share our own experience with it um, so that we're not putting our expectations or fear or something on them because that clouds, their journey through this time and it makes it harder for them to hear their own kind of intuition their own inner voice because they've got other voices coming in at them so to help them settle into this very important work like I think of it as very important work even though it's uncomfortable fears and discomfort I mean it ties in beautifully but it is just so valuable it's so valuable completely and utterly just because they've chosen it right right like we don't need to know why, you know, before we can lean in and support them and help them through it, right? Yeah, for sure. And they're having their own process about it. And so, again, adding our weight or adding any kind of weight to it from outside expectations or from expectations from us, just really, I think it slows down the process of them figuring out and integrating and it just clouds their judgment. Because like you said, we're t- trying to help them find that inner voice. You know, and I think it's so important. Yeah, yeah. Um, That leads very nicely into talking about ways to approach it. So uh, first, I wanted to just uh, mention a few common, relatively common cocooning seasons, and then we're going to dive into how we might be able to to help them and support them through this time. So we already mentioned the shorter cocooning seasons, like maybe after busy seasons, busier times. Another um, common time is after kids leave school. Right. And we start unschooling. So at first, I remember for myself, I was all excited. The kids were going to come home. We're going to be able to finally do all the things because we don't have school in our way. Right. But so often the kids need time to decompress and just play to their heart's content. That was my experience. They're just sinking into their flow and making up for the time lost when they were at school. So it's a helpful quiet season for us too, right? As we dive into understanding unschooling and it helps us, you know, um, just not 
not be surrounded so often with all the avid questions. When we're just kind of cocooning in, we're sinking into the things that we're loving to do. We are learning lots about unschooling. We're not quite confident to answer other people's questions about it yet. Um, so it, we just naturally just kind of stayed in. I, you know, I, I didn't call it a cocooning season at the time. Often these are things you see looking back or you're just recognizing what you're familiar with. That's why we wanted to talk about these in the first place, right? Because the image really helps us um, understand a little bit more or more quickly anyway, what's going on. Another pretty common cocooning season is the transition into the early teen years we found. So maybe somewhere around the ages of eight to 11. And here there can be a number of things at play. So maybe it's hormones, maybe it's a transition of interest because their childhood interests are no longer so interesting, but they haven't yet found new ones. uh, So that can have them feeling out of sorts. Maybe they're recognizing the bigger world now and they're noticing more of the societal messages and expectations and they're processing how they might want to fit in with that. Um, But no matter the reason behind it, there is lots of commonality to how we can approach the, these times and support them. And I think we we mentioned this a little bit, but I think one of the first things can, we can do is help to just normalize that need for space and for taking downtime. You know, get past those productivity messages. I always need to be doing something, et cetera, so that they can dive into the work of moving through their feelings. And again, not articulating it so much that way, but, you know, they just know that their their choices are more quiet right now. So just helping them dive into that is just so much more helpful than trying to coax them to do the things that they used to love, right? Right, right. And and that's kind of been our experience too. Like, I think there is definitely like this adolescent one that can come up and that also that eight to 10, 11, you know, that transition. And I do think that's about kind of moving into the bigger world, recognizing like home is so great and wonderful. And then it's like, oh, there's these other things and how, who do I want to be in that space? I think it can also be influenced by what's going on in the family. So a move, a new sibling, Um, other, you know, big transitions like that, that sometimes, you know, we as the parents are caught up in just getting through that, you know, you know, just integrating a new sibling or figuring out how to move the family that we're not really understanding like the impact of everyone. And that maybe that cocooning, you know, we think we're worried like, oh, you know, we've just moved, we've got to get out there and meet people and do. And it's like, you know, that's a lot to, to process and integrate. And so realizing like, it's okay for us to take this time and settle into these new routines or this new piece is so important. And things you can kind of look for, you know, it might be, it might look like a lot of computer time or reading or just wanting to be in their room or maybe not playing with their siblings as much as they did, or, you know, even some, some issues there, you know, that maybe weren't there. I think um, there can be some grumpiness. So I think that's important because sometimes that grumpiness can kind of set us on edge when we're trying to do things. Um, I think part of that's hormones. I think part of it is just them trying to make sense of what's happening to them. Because like you said, this is a growth, but growth is not always comfortable, <laughs> you know? So it's mm-hmm. it's they're trying to make sense and are feeling kind of out of sorts themselves. And so that helped me kind of just be softer about it, like realizing those pieces. And 
I think it's extra hard for them if they're feeling the weight of our disappointment or that we want them to be doing something differently. So like you, I tried to really normalize, you know, needing space and downtime. I could talk about the ways that it makes me personally feel better because that is something that I've definitely noticed in myself. And I think that normalizing helps them settle into what they're feeling. And, you know, in my experience, they're feeling a lot. Again, it may not, it may not be articulated and it may not even look like a lot, but there's a lot going on. And so often at the end of these seasons, there are these massive amounts of growth, some big changes, just different feelings about things. So it was just so important for me to provide space for that. And and both in a holding the space kind of way, but also in a physical way. So, you know, our approaches were also making nests and bringing in favorite foods or games or shows or music, really tuning in even more so than we normally do to what things might help them in this stage, like what might pique their interest, but not to get them out, but to help them kind of feel settled and nesty. And so we would also create spaces outside because um, we like to sit in nature. And so it might be hammocks or trampolines or, you know, those kind of pieces. And so, you know, that was, I think it's, I think it's such a special time to just be, and it's something that we don't often give ourselves permission to do as adults. And I think we should probably rethink that, (laughs) but this is a rich and amazing growth opportunity and just understanding, you know, how we can, lean into this, I think is so important because as we lean in and let go and make sure that we're not wishing the time away, we're not, you know, projecting, oh, this is going to, this is just a phase. It's going to be over soon and focus in instead on what amazing things are happening and find ways to embrace that time for ourselves and for our child. Yes. I think that was one of the most important, uh, moments or aha moments for me or the biggest shifts that I could make is when I could kind of release that timetable that I was, you know, okay, yeah, we're here. It's good. I understand why, you know, and I'm looking for when it's going to be over too. I'm looking forward to that. Um, It doesn't mean, oh, I want to stay here forever. You know, it's not black, white, that kind of thing. But to realize I could just embrace the choice right now to be here because I wanted to be here to support them and to help them through it. And then we could lean in. We could really, you know, find those nests. We could figure out, you know, bring favorite food. We could um, come up with fun things. There are so many fun things that we can do at home, right? That we can bring into the home, that we can set up at home. Like you were talking about trampolines, hammocks, Like once we bring just our full focus there, oh my gosh, we can have so much fun. And it was so valuable for me too. Like you said, not to feel like I'm putting my life on hold right now for this time. Right. That's one of the things I want to talk about. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just to say I can lean into it and I can embrace it too. Right. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's an important piece to figure out like how this time can work for us. And so, you know, during those seasons at home for me, I would dive into house projects. I'd find things that I could do and enjoy myself that were near you know, and engage, but giving them the space they wanted. So it might be gardening or art projects or physical activities I can do at home. I actually trained for a triathlon, like running circles in our woods and swimming in our backyard pool. 
you know, and it's, it's, we can find those creative ways, but then I was there, I was available. I didn't need to leave, but I was getting the outlets that I needed. And so that, and it helped me be grounded and present for them. And like you said, once you turn your kind of creative eye to that, just so many opportunities opened up. So basically I stopped looking at the things I couldn't do. I stopped looking at the things we used to do. And I focused on all the things we could do now, enjoying our life as it was in that moment. Because when I would center back on my choice, like you mentioned, I knew I wanted to be there for them. I didn't want to add weight to everything they were already processing and learning about themselves. And and just that shift in focus allowed us to make this a time for all of us, you know, as comfortable as possible, as fun as possible, as just, again, so as we're going through these stretching growth pieces that can be hard, when you have that comfortable environment, it just makes it so much easier. Yes, because... You know, they can feel the the energy when we are, when part of our mind is just, you know, looking for when it might end, no matter. Right. And, and it is, it is, it is just uh, amazing, spectacularly amazing, like how the change, just the shift in energy when we can release that completely, like, yes. I feel, I really feel so many times that it, once I was able to release that um, focus on the timetable and just lean into the moment, it actually, we actually moved through it faster. Yeah, it's true. It is because it releases their, the weight that they feel, the responsibility they feel for having everybody at home right? Like they, they notice that they're very capable of understanding all these nuances to the situation while still needing to make this choice for themselves. So they're not having to untangle all of that. Like we're taking care of ourselves. And if we have a sibling who's not in that phase, you know, we're fine. I'm as the parent finding creative solutions with that child to help them be out in the world with out adding weight to the other child. And yes, there can be times where that's tricky. But again, if we're bringing that kind of confident, creative, loving energy to it, we solve those problems. We, we just did, you know, even when they seemed like, wow, this is going to be a tricky one. You know, when we just came with that energy of just, we can do this, we'll figure this out. We can, you know, meet these needs. It just, it flowed and it allowed that child who was needing that space to not carry the burden of their sibling or of me needing to do other things and that they could just focus on their work. And like you said, I mean, that absolutely moves through the process faster because they're able to focus on their work. I know there's so much of the other stuff gone that they don't have control over. Right, right, right? exactly. (laughs) That, so now they can completely focus. And it's not even that they literally know, okay, now I can focus on. But we, as observing and watching and seeing what's going on, now they, with without all that extra stuff interfering, they can just concentrate on making their own connections, um, you know, subconsciously even, as they're maybe doing their comfort activities or, you know, whatever it is that they're drawn to in the moment. It just... Uh, gives that space for more things to bubble up, more connections to bubble up, more little aha moments for them. And it is always amazing to me how, how, when you can just surrender is the word kind of that comes to mind, just surrender to this and just be in the moment without expectations or judgments. 
just so much beautifulness blossoms up in there, right? That you can't even imagine, that you could not have predicted, you know, for those times. So I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, go back to it um, because we were talking so much about all the things we can do and stuff is also to stay connected with them. You had mentioned that. I just wanted to bring it up again. So you're also, while we're doing all these things, we are, we're chatting, we're playing with, like for me, playing with things, trying this thing out, trying that thing out. Um, So that we're just um, having, we're having fun because we want to celebrate this time, right? Not make it seem like it's something wrong that we need to hurry up and get through. No, or that, right, that we have this kind of, ooh, push energy. Whereas, you know, for for one of mine, especially, she needed a lot of kind of parallel sitting, be it, you know, in a car, if we were going to run an errand, or if we're just sitting at home and watching a show so that those things could bubble up. So it was allowing some time and space for that, you know, so that, you know, when they were ready to kind of externally process a little bit, you're there and you're doing, so you're noticing those things. And that's how staying connected can look during, you know, and again, sometimes it's providing the things for the nest and whatever. And sometimes it's just being that parallel next to them so they can pop in. And, and I mean, I think that and we've talked about this before, but, you know, maybe I'm deep in doing some work because, you know, we're doing our own things while they're having that time. But when they come by or come in, just stop, stop, you know, because it can be hard for them to reach out during those times. And so I wanted to really, you know, and, and I'm, it was a work I had to do because I can get involved in what I'm doing, but I just take that moment to yak, just connect, eye contact, hear what they're having to say. It may not be a big, long conversation, but even if it's just telling you about what they were watching, like those are the connection moments that I wanted to take advantage of, especially during a cocooning season. Exactly. I love, I love that you brought that up because that's so true. Just extra prioritizing those opportunities yeah. in these seasons just so that they can feel that connection, even if it's just, you know, right. a 30-second conversation yeah. about what they're watching or where they're going or whatever, yeah. so that they know we're there and supportive and helpful. That, that was that was really valuable to me. And giving that space, that parallel space, yeah. just passing by them too and just hanging right. for a while just to see if anything was um, bubbling up near the surface, et cetera. So making those priorities in that season, making the connection a priority. Yeah. And and when you come with that, you know, kind of spirit that we're talking about and, and that, you know, attitude of just, you know, calm and this is where we're supposed to be, there's a flow to that. So it doesn't feel hard. Like I don't want it to feel like a prescription or you have yeah, to it's like, I need to go do this. Right. No, it'll just really, you'll just see as you relax into it, the flow will pick up. I think where we get disconnected is when we get in our head about the fears or, oh, is this okay? Or they shouldn't be doing this or it's too long or whatever. Like stop that noise and just kind of flow into your day and you'll see that, okay, yeah, we're still connected. Okay, we're still, you know, it it will just have this ease to it that I think um, can get blocked when we start the fear spiral. Yeah, yeah. When we get into our head, yeah. <laughs> that can definitely get in our way and make the connection feel harder because then it becomes prescriptive, right? Like I need, I need to make sure I connect three times a day or, you know, because we're trying to solve it. Like yeah. nothing, nothing against ourselves. We're trying to make a plan that we can yeah. work to move through this. <laughs> and sometimes it would be very nice if, if plans worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's me can control the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're great to have back pocket because they like remind us, okay, you know, I do want to be, have I connected today? Have Do I want to pass by? You know, um, it's not like leaving it up to whatever. Right, but it's but realizing it's more about that kind of prioritizing, like yeah. just, I'm going to leave some space for this. And, and when they come by, I'm going to make eye contact and say, hey, and I'm, you know, as opposed to sometimes they might just walk by while I'm doing something, you know, that type of thing. And so there are things you can do, but just don't yourself, don't carry that as a weight either, you know, just it's as a flow of that process and that season. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Flow, flow works really well with kickins. It really does. It does. Okay. So now I want to move on to bubbles. So for me, a bubble is kind of like a protective aura that we bring with us out into the world. So I found this uh, imagery can be especially helpful while we're actively de-schooling, both in cultivating our bubble and in engaging with others. So uh, our unschooling bubble is really that safe space of our family dynamic. That's what that's what it feels to me. Um, it's that loving and protective energy that, of connection, of trust, of openness where our kids feel seen and heard and not just accepted, but celebrated. So for me, a bubble is kind of more of a mindset or an energy. Um, And we can bring this bubble with us out into the community, um, cultivating opportunities to pursue interests in ways that feel meaningful to us without all these prescriptions given by other people, like how we should do things, right? Um, uh, Our bubble, I found, really protects us from the weight of other people's expectations on not only on how we should do things, but how we should be relating to each other. So um, it was really, really valuable for me just to know that we could be who we are out and about in the world, right? It wasn't about, um, it wasn't about when we're in our home, we can be this way. Yet when we go out in the world, you know, we have to, fit in with that, those expectations. Now, of course, there are general dynamics and needs, you know, you go to the library, you're quiet, you know, it's not about ignoring the context of situations and the constraints of situations, but it's about not needing to bring into our space, just cultural expectations on us, like how parents and adults talk to each other, et cetera, et cetera. So it really does take time to build our bubble. Um, I kind of see it as a metaphor for our confidence in unschooling, right? <laughs> it's it's this safe space that we've built where we know we have the tools to move through things um, that, that come up for us in the moment. It's our relationships with our kids so that we know we can engage with them and we can work together to move through things um, and that we can do that wherever we are, not just in our home. So... For me, that that was that's the beauty of the bubble metaphor. It's like, oh, you know, we can still be our comfortable, um, fun uh, selves wherever wherever we are. So that was that was has been really helpful for me to take it out and about into the world. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I I think building 
a bubble for me was a really important step in allowing me to be the parent that I wanted to be. Um, you know, and that process involves shutting out that outside noise and looking inward to develop my voice, to find the tools that we needed and to cultivate the relationships that I wanted to have. And that can take some focus. And it definitely required me to shut out the noise because I was making choices that many didn't understand, home birth, breastfeeding, co-sleeping, unschooling. Um, And I really needed to build a bubble that allowed me to develop my voice and be the person and parent that I wanted to be. And understanding that it's okay to do that, that it can actually be really helpful is huge. You know, we can give ourselves permission to look inward, to develop our intuition, to cultivate the family life and relationships that we want. And, you know, one that works for all the members. And so I think that piece, like you're talking about, it's this mindset and it's this, it, it is this beautiful piece that we take with us because it really is kind of cultivating who we are and who we want to be. And that is what we take out into the world. Yeah, I think that's a great point too, um, that our, our, our experiences that we're gaining as we're, whatever choices that we're making, right? This strengthens our confidence, strengthens our bubbles. It helps us feel more confident just being who we are out into the world. And, you know, when we first get started, uh, you know, people can keep wanting to kind of pull us out of out of the bubble, right? You know, no, 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 no. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way you're supposed to act. These are the expectations. These are the things you need to do. But as our bubble gets stronger, it's really interesting because the as it's stronger, are the energy of our confidence comes through, right? And the comments start to lessen because we don't we don't look like we're looking for input. You know what I mean? <laughs> and also with that, um, the comments that people are making kind of bounce off the bubble. You know, if we're going to stay with this metaphor, we, we find them much easier to let them roll off our back and to understand that these comments are more about them and right. and what how they're seeing um, the the situation, the moment, and who they want to be. They're being who they want to be. Right. Whether or not it's a conscious choice, you know, that we know that this is a choice, um, you know, and, and they're choosing to whatever, however they're being. Um, so we can see much more clearly that this is more about them, less about us. So we're not feeling so defensive. Uh, we don't um, feel uh, attacked, et cetera, right. so much. So the bubble can be a really helpful thing when we're out and about, not only um, for us engaging inside the bubble, but for how we engage with the people outside the bubble as well, right? Yes, yes. Because we're developing these strong, connected relationships. And that's what, so when those things come at us, they really do just roll over, bounce off, because it's like, we know we're being very intentional about what's happening here. And that that just allows those things to kind of shoot right over. Yeah. And that's the other piece, too. Our confidence isn't about having, we move through the need for other people to kind of understand. Right. Like you said, we're intentional. We know why we're doing these things. Yeah. Yes, the process and the way we work through things with our kids may look different to how other people do it. Um, but they don't see all the right. stuff 
you know, that, that is going on for us, all the uh, conversations that have led to, to this moment, to this relationship, how we've developed the trust, you know, they don't see trust the work that's gone into that. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. that grows on all of the parts of, you know, everyone involved. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that that is part of our confidence, right? Understanding that that we've got these tools that they're working well for us. We know why we're choosing them and we are we are much more uh comfortable being out in the world and you know, noticing that it's not how everybody does it, but it's how we do it. This is how we're choosing to do it. And moving to our last point, over time, as our bubble strengthens and shines, because, you know, that is the word that comes to mind. We also, I find, start attracting like-minded families because, you know, there's people who are going, wow, that's really weird. I don't want my kid to see that. And, you know, they're moving to other places on the playground or whatever. But there's others who are like, yes, you know, they they see that kind of relationship and maybe they have that kind of relationship with their own kids. So they're like, oh, that's somebody I'd like to connect with or our kids to play together. Or maybe it's just something that's very curious to them. They hadn't thought of doing it differently. And it's like, wow, that is super interesting. So it is fascinating when we are being ourselves in the world. Not only are we planting seeds in some people that it can it can be different. It doesn't have to be the one way we can also kind of be finding other people um, who are attracted to the way that we relate to one another when we're out and about, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, in building, you know, my bubble, I felt like I did become stronger, more clear about my intentions and who I wanted to be. And that allowed me to attract the people that helped me along in my journey as well. You know, we found friends and mentors through that clarity And I could see my children also for the amazing teachers that they were as we developed these relationships. And we found people that could help us grow, really leaving behind or lessening the influence of those who didn't want to understand our path or get to know us. Um, You know, we had people in our lives that were just trying to push us back into that conventional box, like you said, but that box didn't work for us. But our beautiful, flexible bubble with a 360 degree view did. And it just, and like you said, it just shines out from there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. The juxtaposition of the box and the bubble. I hadn't actually come to that yet. And it it really works, doesn't it? I, I see the box. I see the box as kind of a cardboard box. Yeah, me too. It's clear. And, yeah. and flexible, you know, it's flexible. We can make it big and invite you in. We can cut it back if we need to cocoon. cocoon. We can do it. it has, but it's all based on this mindset of connection and relationships and intention. And, and that's what's so different. That's the paradigm shift for people when they're not familiar with it. But, but that's okay, because we feel really confident in the relationships that we're building. Yeah. And I, I love it, too, when maybe we want to, um, you know, uh, explore more of the world outside the bubble at points, you know, that absolutely. Um, and yet the bubble is there as a you know, protective space. So you can go out and you can explore and you can kind of come back in for a little while. Maybe you find you need to, I find it as re-energizing, recharging. It's like, ah, you know, a a safe kind of space for us. So it's a place that we can get to whenever we need to. Again, we were talking about, it doesn't need to be 
home, literally. Even when we would go places, we might find safe spaces. You know, if we're going to a, a large family gathering, you know, we might find, oh, you know, we can go find a corner for ourselves for a while when we need to recharge, when things have gotten a little bit too much or, or being a child or, you know, whatever combination of people need to be in the bubble for a little while. It's okay. Sorry, this is just imagery around what we talk about so often, which is when you're feeling some fear or some discomfort or some, you know, things coming at you from outside, just turn into the relationships, just turn back to your child and look at your child. And that's what we're talking about with this bubble. That is it. It's just turning back in to find your own inner voice. It's connecting with those relationships that are important to you and your family. And then that outside noise just really does just start flying by because you realize they don't understand what's happening in our family. They don't even have words for the type of relationships that we have and the ways that we can solve problems and the way that we are together. And that's okay because they may be attracted to it and ask some questions or it may not be the right time for them, but you can stand confident in just how intentional you're being about creating these relationships. I love that. I love that. That's perfect. So yes, I think just going back to it, we can be playing with cocoons and bubbles, with staying home, with going out, with, you know, how we bring ourselves out into the world, how we connect. You know, it's it's so beautiful. It's so fun to play with. And I think especially when you're newer to it and you're, you know, in the thick of de-schooling, these images can help you um alongside understanding it really helps your understanding of how everything is a choice yes right (laughs) because that's something that you're discovering you know uh, when you first come to unschooling and you're you're deeply de-schooling it's like oh you know I can choose all it's okay if we choose to stay home for a while it's okay you know to go out and have the safe space and make a space for ourselves right. to process things, no matter where we are, to take that time, um, that there's value in that, to, to move through things the way they work for us. So, you know, it really just gets me excited how we can choose who we are and how we are and who we want to be, no matter where we are, right? Yes, I love it. <laughs> Okay, that's wonderful. Thanks so much for chatting with me today, Anna. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, so great to be here. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.